1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know how to help you. Now, here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
2: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is another Jordan, Jordan Tabak Bank. He is the CEO of two high end pawn shops, one in New York City and one in Beverly Hills. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Let's start with your background a little bit and how you got into this business. Sure. I am a third generation
3: pawnbroker. My grandfather founded Beverly Loan Company here in Beverly Hills in 1938, so over 75 years ago. I am actually trained as an attorney, but um, I couldn't resist the family business.
2: So let's just go back to the beginning of pawn shopping and and pawnbroking, I guess it's called. It really has quite a A history going back like 3,000 years, I guess. Kind of tell us where the whole process of, uh, collateralized loans and, and pawnbroking started and what, what's been the evolution of it a bit?
3: Sure. Uh, as they say, uh, pawnbroking, uh, is arguably the, the second oldest business. Uh, the first oldest we won't get into. Uh, but, uh, pawnbroking has been around forever. There have always been people with liquidity issues who have tangible personal property that they, uh, want to leverage into quick cash.
2: What are, there are the, the sign is three gold spheres. Paying from a bar. What does that mean when people see a pawnbroker's uh, signal that way? You know that that has
3: been always been the sign of the pawn shop, and it's uh, it's I believe from the the Medici family. Uh, what uh, it, actually on our website, I believe it's the Beverly Loan Company website or the New York Loan Company website. It gives the whole history of pawnbroking and. Um, and I know people always find that sort of thing interesting.
2: Well, I actually see your website, and, and uh, it says there that uh, that original sign came from St. Nicholas, uh, who, referred, who is referred to as the patron saint of uh, and He said that they, were, they have left three bags of gold to his daughters, uh, to, to the daughters of a poor man who could afford to marry, thus saving them for a life of slavery. Basically, that's, that's where that comes from. Is that your understanding as well? There you go. So, it kind of started there. So, now take us kind of up to the United States and and what the history has been in the United States uh, as, as it relates to the banking system. I mean, this is really kind of almost outside the banking system to some extent. Yeah, we are, like banks, we are a
3: highly regulated industry. So, we're regulated on a federal, state, and local level. Unlike banks, we are actually lending out money. In this day and age, it's very difficult to get a bank loan, especially for an individual or a small business. Sure, banks might loan to a Fortune 500 company, but they're not loaning to that small business owner. And we fill that void. We never perform so much as a credit check. And within a matter of minutes, you are walking out of our pawn shop with cash in hand.
2: So, um... You, you have people who appraise uh, the different items. How can they know what the, the value is, is of all these different things that are brought into you?
3: Sure. We, um, we specialize in jewelry and watches and diamonds and gold, and we only hire GIA-certified gemologists. So they study at the Gemological Institute of America, and they have the expertise uh, to tell you exactly what it is you're bringing through the door. Beyond that, we also loan on other niche products, including high-end, one-of-a-kind entertainment and sports memorabilia, fine art, uh, wine collections and for each of these products we have expertise as well
2: so how does that work you have a, a bunch of experts ready to be called on or you check on websites or ebay or how do you de- determine the value of these things not the the jewelry where you may have some experts on on spot but somebody brings in a, a rare sports memorabilia or a wine collection how do you uh, appraise the value of that
3: well, first of all, there, there's sort of two prongs to our approach. There's authentication, and then there's valuation. So first thing we have to do is make sure it is what what our client believes it to be, which is the authentication portion. And luckily for us, we have uh, a great deal of expertise in fine art. For, for instance, I have a great deal of expertise in fine art, uh, but when it becomes – it, beyond our expertise, luckily for us, we are in, located in uh, two areas where we have um, a host of experts at our disposal. One of our shops is in Beverly Hills, one block east of uh, Rodeo Drive. The other shop is right in the Diamond District in Manhattan, and uh, both of those Locations allow us to bring in uh, people from auction houses and other experts in the trade
2: have you ever authenticated something and it turns out it was a forgery if you ha
3: if you haven't lost money on a forgery you haven't been in the business long enough you're not doing enough deals unless that's happened to you
2: <laughs> so what have you learned from that what what how How were you fooled by uh, you have all these experts around how were you fooled you know the, that
3: what can I say? Uh, we we have we've had long-standing customers who we've done hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans with, and part of what we do is we qualify our our clients, and sometimes uh, the clients are duped, and uh, and we um, and we've made the loan. Luckily for us, that happens. Ex- extremely infrequently it's not something that happens very often because we uh, do our due diligence
2: so you're saying that the client thought it was real and they brought it into you to pawn it wasn't as though they knew it was fake and and uh you know deceived you
3: no 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 our clients are upstanding citizens they're people who are looking for a short-term cash infusion uh as I said, credit facilities at banks are extremely tight. We don't perform credit checks. In a matter of minutes, someone can be walking out of my door with $100,000 in their hand for a loan against their Cartier bracelet or their diamond ring or their Picasso or their Andy Warhol. Uh, it is a seamless, easy process things uh our loans don't go to credit committee they don't take months to process and there is not a stack of paperwork involved
2: what is the uh interest rate that people pay for uh, doing this sure what with pawn loans every
3: state it has different laws and and it's totally state driven there is no federal pawn sort of interest rate in uh On the majority of the loans we deal in, it's 4% a month.
2: So there are usury ceilings that you can't go, uh, done by each state, is that the way it works? Precisely. So uh, you're loaning in New York and California, but if somebody comes from another state, is it still the New York and California laws, or is it where the customer is coming from?
3: No, it's the the site of the pawn shop itself. So I have clients who fly into my New York office or my Beverly Hills office from, let's say, the Midwest because they can't find a comparable pawn shop there, uh, they are charged the fees that, that we charge at those particular offices.
2: So that doesn't really sound like that much. It's basically 48% a year is what you're talking about. For when something- you're
3: talking in terms of short-term lending products, Most people do not refer to them in terms of APR calculations. The clients who I help uh, use the money and pay it back, it's a quick line of credit uh, that they can access against their tangible personal property.
2: What is the typical length of a loan? How long do people have the money out? Loans are typically written up for about
3: four months. Some of my clients will come in within a week's time and redeem their collateral. And some of the clients pay interest and they roll it over and leave it in for a longer period of time. It all depends. The nice part about our business is on both coasts, we um, are proud to say we have a redemption rate of well over 90%, meaning that well over 9 out of every 10 people uh, have their art back on their walls, their their watch back on their wrist, and their ring back on their finger.
2: So, in other words, it's some kind of a short-term need, but they're anticipating getting the cash they need to pay it off. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the, uh,
3: If they didn't, we offer a couple of different products. One is we'll purchase your goods outright, and number two, we'll make a loan against it. If they didn't have the intentions of redeeming their collateral, which essentially means picking it up, then they would have sold it outright to begin with. So what I tell people is, does it have any sentimental value? Do you believe the market is going up? Do you believe the price of gold is going up? You might want to get a loan against your goods in that position. If, let's say, an ex uh, gave you it as a Christmas gift and you don't talk to this person and you can't stand looking at it, I I suggest that people just go ahead and sell it outright.
2: How would selling something to you compare to selling it to an art dealer or jewelry dealer of some kind? Are you going to give them a better price? I
3: like to think so. We've done, uh, you know, through the years, uh, we have uh, purchased um, uh, almost as much as we, I mean, loaning is, loaning is sort of a, the niche product we're known for, but we purchase goods all the time and we're extremely competitive. Uh, we like to treat our clients well. We look for long-term relationships. I have clients who come here who who dealt with my grandfather, they dealt with my mother, and now they deal with me. And they're extremely appreciative of the service we provide. So
2: uh, so if you actually do buy it, do you then turn on? you have a whole uh, operation where you're selling these things to the public? Yes. Yeah, so in both locations,
3: we have a showcase. Uh, where we sell goods, uh, to the public at highly discounted prices. Uh, we sell basically to, uh, retail customers at what we would call dealer prices. So prices that a dealer in the trade might pay with, uh, with the goal of reselling such pieces. And the reason we sell inexpensively is we're looking primarily to recoup our capital and lend it back out. We uh, consider ourselves a financial institution far more than we consider ourselves a pawn shop.
2: I see. So I mean,
3: excuse me, far more than we consider ourselves a retail institution.
2: Yeah, but uh, you're still buying, ending up buying ten percent or so of what's what's pawned to you. So that's still a good amount of material.
3: Yeah, it's actually it's actually less than that. We have a redemption rate. I think last I looked, it was like ninety four percent. Maybe six percent of goods get sold.
2: And then uh, those are easy to sell. These these are uh, products that are highly valued and, and they're not too hard for you to sell. But the the six percent that you end up taking possession of.
3: Yeah, jewelry um, jewelry is always um, uh, saleable. You know, people love jewelry. It's it's part of it. It's and it's built into certain occasions of our lives. Think Valentine's Day, Christmas, birthdays. People love to receive jewelry. And, of course, there is some intrinsic value in, in, the, in the gold itself.
2: Indeed, there is. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jordan Tabak Bank. He's the CEO of two high-end pawn shops, uh, one in Beverly Hills, one in New York City, and we'll be back to talk more about high end pawn shops after this.
4: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866 472 5790. That's 866 472 5790. Voice America Business Network.
0: If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more... Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business
1: Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender.
0: Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m. 10 Central every Sunday.
2: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Jordan Tabak-Bank. He's the CEO of two high-end pawn shops, one in New York and the other in Beverly Hills. Welcome back to the show, Jordan. Thank you. If people want to find out more, uh, give people websites where they can find out about both your different shops.
3: Sure. Our Beverly Hills location, uh, you can uh, visit our website at www.beverlyloan.com. And for our New York City location, you could visit our website at www.newyorkloan.com. I encourage everyone and all of your listeners to visit these websites as they have a plethora of information on our unique products.
2: Can you do it remotely or do you have to actually show up there in person uh, with the material? I mean, if you're in Nebraska or something, is there some way of doing a transaction?
3: Unfortunately, you have to show up in person to do a transaction. That said, I have clients who uh, fly in from places uh, to uh, receive loans, both in our New York office and in our Beverly Hills office, usually for one of two reasons. One is there is no... Uh, product available in their home state that uh, is the equivalent of what we can do. For instance, we can do a seven-figure loan. Most pawn shops are not capable of such loans. The other reason why is our interest rates or fees might be less than their home state, making it worth
2: the trip. So is that because the uh, usury ceilings are, are lower in California, New York, than other states? Precisely. I'm with Jordan Teback Bank, uh, who is the CEO of two high-end pawn shops, one in New York and one in Beverly Hills. We were talking about uh, uh, people from other states uh, using your pawn shops. Is the reason it makes sense to do that is the uh, usury ceilings would be higher in their states than in New York and California where your shops are located? Uh,
3: precisely. They, they might find themselves paying more interest in their home state, but usually it's because of the service we provide. We have a very niche product in that we are able to lend uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars and have the expertise to do so. Your typical pawn shop does not make loans of that size.
2: Now, apparently you were on the uh, TV show. Tell me about the TV show you were on and, and you know what, how that went and, and what were some of the things uh, shown on the TV show about your, your service.
3: Sure. Um, I was on a show called Final Offer that aired on the Discovery Channel. It was one of these uh, sort of buy-sell programs where uh, people um, in the public had the opportunity to bring on bizarre, uh, fantastic uh, items that they owned. And I competed against three other dealers in the trade to to purchase such goods. For instance, I am in my boardroom right now, uh, looking at a item that I purchased on that show, which was the original Energizer Bunny that was used in all of the commercials. How much did you spend for that? Twenty thousand. And what do you think it's worth? Uh, far more. I've actually had uh, uh, people come in and inquire about it. Uh, I've turned down an offer of thirty thousand. Uh, it is. Um, it's become sort of a staple of the office at this point. <laughs> <laughs> You're not letting go of it then. Yeah, man. you shouldn't fall in love with your inventory. But um, this is a this is an awfully cool
2: bunny. <laughs> That's great. So what are some of the other unusual? Things that people have shown up in your office with, and, and how have you gotten them valued? When you're, it's, it's kind of out of the box. You're not really you know, having anything to compare it to.
3: Sure, you know, in this day and age with the internet, it's. Most things have comparables you can find. For instance, uh, we just uh, recently loaned against some um, Olympic uh, medals, and Olympic medals have sold in the past. Now, it might be a different sport. It might be a more famous athlete. It might be a more famous Olympic Games. Maybe something happened at the Games, like a Munich sort of Games, that makes it more valuable. But uh, we do our due diligence, and we, we loan accordingly. So it's, it's, you're, you're looking for comparables, is what you're saying. That, that's... You, you always have to look for, for comparables, and comparables on the secondary market, not the primary market. So, for instance, it's more important what something sold for in an auction than what something originally sold for in a gallery or what a watch sells for on the second-hand market than what a watch sells for in a, um, a, when you buy it directly from Rolex or Patek Philippe.
2: Yeah, so do you have uh, access to our auction records? You can kind of see where things sold? We do. We,
3: we, we uh, use auction databases uh, quite fring- frequently. And then, of course, there are some items that, that are unique to us. Um, for instance, someone recently came in with a, with a cell phone case um, that actually had diamonds in the case, a diamond-studded cell phone case, not something I had ever seen before. Now, with that, of course, we can look at the color, clarity, and cut of the diamonds, and then we have to say to ourselves, How easily could we sell this item? (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, I guess when you're in Beverly Hills, anything goes.
2: So what I don't understand, I guess, is you have all these entertainers, musicians, and probably in New York more business people. It seems like they would be doing very well, and they wouldn't need loans at these high interest rates. Uh, I mean, compared to regular credit lines they would have. Why, Why do they go to you instead of other resources they might have? So So, we make loans to people of all walks of life, so we will make
3: loans of hundreds of dollars and we 'll make loans of hundreds of thousands of dollars so so that we don 't only do the terribly high end loans, but we do indeed see a lot of white collar um, white collar sort of more affluent clientele and they come in here for a variety of reasons one of which is we provide quick cash which a bank is not going to provide uh you can walk out in a matter of minutes with a significant amount of cash in hand uh there are also plenty of well of people who have tangible personal property heavy they are asset rich as we like to say and and but maybe they have a short-term cash issue and we uh we fill that need um and there are people who are loan receiving collateral loans for very uh positive reasons we just uh the holiday seasons just passed, and we had a lot of people who were getting loans to meet uh, payroll demands because they were giving out Christmas bonuses, or there were people who were getting loans because they were restocking the shelves because the economy is making a turn, and they had to meet inventory demands.
2: So it's, it's typically a short-term need that they know they're going to be able to get the money back relatively soon. Would this be, for example, if say there's a business deal, that you have to close, uh, buying somebody's inventory or uh, taking over another company or an inheritance or something like that where you know you're going to be able to get the money back pretty quickly, is that typical of, of the kind of customers you're dealing with?
3: Yeah, indeed and as, he, as you nailed it on the west coast we see uh, a lot of entertainment clientele writers directors actors and in our New York location we see probably a bit more business people we recently had someone who was looking uh, to close escrow on the income producing property they were a little short of the cash they needed um, and they got a collateral loan from us uh, Another another businessman who recently came in, had a margin call, and um, with cash short, luckily had a collection of high-end watches, uh, received a short-term loan, and picked it up in a matter
2: of weeks. So it's typically short-term that way, yes. Um, So uh, I guess the question is, from somebody in that situation who has some assets, why should they go to you as opposed to doing a a lower-cost uh, bank loan or credit line or other ways that they might be able to get out cash.
3: It is very, very difficult uh, to get a bank loan in this day and age. And some people don't have that option at their disposal. And a bank will ding your credit if you're unable to pay. With us, the only thing that you ever put at risk is the collateral itself.
2: So if you... Default, if you have it redeemed, as you would say, that does not affect your credit record? Not at all. We come to own,
3: uh, let's say it's a necklace, we come to own the necklace, and we sell the necklace. It's simple as that. Now, we do everything in our power to make sure you get your necklace back, but sometimes um, our clients opt to let it go, and they have every right to do so. Another reason they might come to us over a bank is it's an extremely confidential process. We, you come upstairs in both locations in an office building. We deal with you in private offices. Um, The goods are stored in bank vault security. And the whole process is discreet. Uh, when my grandfather founded this company over 75 years ago, he, discretion was always the cornerstone of our business, and it has remained so today.
2: I see. So uh, people don't want to be seen, I guess, when they're doing this, right? They, they want to be secretive about it all.
3: Unfortunately, there's a stigma attached to pawn shops. There's no question about it. Luckily, over the past few years, there have been um, reality television shows which have helped make pawn sort of a a product that more people understand. Unfortunately, the stigma is still there, and and we like to make our clientele feel extremely comfortable. And uh, private offices in a in a office building setting um, allow people. To feel at ease. Our new location in New York City is on 47th Street in the Diamond District, which is a lot of hustle bustle on one block. Over 90% of the diamonds in the United States pass through this one block. On the block is a brand new state-of-the-art building called the International Gem Tower where GIA is moving its headquarters 30 floors to the diamond trade. We are the only pawnbroker in the building, an extremely high-end AAA building that's condominiumized. We had to purchase our space there and the reason we went so high-end is because we want all of our clients to feel comfortable knowing that they're in a place where their confidentiality is secure their personal safety is secure and their collateral is secure
2: so you don't when you get the collateral you don't keep it at that location you, you take it to a bank vault somewhere off location
3: in in uh our location in Beverly Hills. We actually are above Bank of America, and we have vaults within their secure vault. And in the International Gem Tower in New York City on Forty Seventh Street, they have vaults underneath the building, a Class Three vault.
2: It's 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 the Fort Knox of buildings. I see. So, so it's secure that way. Is the uh, you said there's a lot of regulation in your business, particularly the new. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Uh, what, what are, the, are they going to be regulating the whole pawn shop business uh, more than it has been in the past? That,
3: that's yet to be determined. That said, I, I think they would feel comfortable when they review pawn shops with the amount of regulation that we are already uh, subject to. Uh, it is a highly, highly regulated industry. And uh, people don't realize that because of the stigma that's been attached to pawn shops through movies throughout the years and through Hollywood. But at the end of the day, uh, we are highly regulated, and we don't mind those regulations as pawnbrokers. We want to make sure that we uh, cross our T's and dot our I's.
2: These are regulations mostly at the state level or the federal level? And what are some of the key regulations that would be protecting consumers.
3: Uh, Let's talk about uh, the, the federal level. For instance, we're subject to TILA requirements or the Truth in Lending Act where we are obligated to list the APR on our loan contracts. As I uh, stated to you earlier, these are short-term lending products. They're not annual products. Most people do not keep their pawn loan in for a year. That said, we are subject to TLS, so we put the APR on our, on our loan contracts. And of course, we're subject to state requirements, such as interest rates or the actual term of the loan. And then a lot of jurisdictions have local law requirements. Think of things such as zoning. And when you combine all of them, we become an
2: extremely regulated business. Now, there is a National pawnbrokers Association, I guess. Uh, Are they pretty much agreed on on, uh, the current state of regulation, or or do they want less regulation uh, going forward?
3: Now, I sit on the board of directors of the National Pawn Brokers Association, and uh, the our association uh, looks out for the interests of pawn brokers, but not just pawn brokers, our clients as well, our borrowers. So one of the key interests that we have is protecting the privacy of our borrowers. But as far as regulation um, from a financial perspective, uh, we are comfortable with it being a, a state-driven, um, state-driven process.
2: So you would not rather have one federal, um, for example, user ceiling across the country? That wouldn't be better for you. Whether it would be better for me or not.
3: Is somewhat irrelevant. I think it's better for my clients if they live in a live in a state in which this it is up to the state how much interest is charged.
2: But I mean, it means that they, there's not a national market that they do have to show up in person. In theory,
3: precisely because they have to show up in person
2: it, within that state, it should
3: be up to that state.
2: Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What percentage of the uh, loans that you're making are for business purposes as opposed to individual uh, purposes?
3: I'll tell you something. One thing interesting about us is for confidentiality purposes, we never ask, what are you getting the money for? Another thing that separates us from a bank so I don't say, why do you need the money? But inevitably, most of my clients tell me regardless why they're getting a loan. And uh, lately, more and more clients are coming to us to for business purposes. And um, I don't know the exact percentages because we don't tally these sorts of things. But I'd say it back in the day, maybe, uh, you know, Two out of every ten were here for a business purpose. Now it's closer to four or five.
2: Is that because uh, the, the banks got much tighter after the uh, financial crunch in 2007-2008? Yeah, precisely. I, I believe that is the case. So did you notice that right away? What was the, the impact of the, like the Dodd-Frank regulation and the tightening of the bank's uh, lending criteria back then? Did you notice that right away?
3: Yeah, I, I did. I noticed more people coming in, uh, to, for business purposes. That said, as pawn shops, you know, we're able to survive in all economies. We've survived for thousands of years. For instance, during the real estate boom and the internet bubble of the 90s, people were coming in because they wanted to fund the next great dot com or they found the a fantastic real estate investment so in bear markets and in bull markets we seem to survive
2: that's interesting but uh, so what would you consider it right now a bear market or a bull market i
3: think we're on the road to recovery i think we're on the road to recovery
2: (laughs) and is this an international business do you have people coming from around the world uh... doing this as well you know we most of the people we deal with have driver 's
3: license from the United States that said we we see people come in with passports uh, every every now and again, but uh, primarily this is a a national market
2: and do you see the possibility of expanding abroad uh, with with uh, what 's happening in, in Europe and other places uh,
3: eventually Eventually, we might. There's so many more places to expand within the United States who are looking for this unique product we provide. So I'd probably um, exhaust my resources here, but I'm not ruling anything out.
2: So your cost, your cost of capital, is basically retained earnings you've had over the years since the, the shop's opened in 1938. You're not borrowing yourself at this point. Yeah, you know, we are in a unique position where we are able to
3: borrow from a bank, um, and and sometimes we do so, but um, but yeah, <laughs> not I mean, I'm not sure not, making... not everyone's in that position, uh, as we well know. Unfortunately, uh, banks for the most part aren't lending, and that's why people are coming to us. <laughs>
2: I mean if you're making a hundred thousand dollar loan or, or more than that um and you're out that money uh it, it seems like there's a certain amount of risk involved there <laughs>
3: yeah there's no question it's a, it's it, it is a high risk business it's not for everyone there are there are issues that can come up um but luckily, we've been doing it for a long time. we treat our clients with respect and we do everything. You, possible to avoid those issues.
2: Yes. Have there been criminals who have actually, you know, kind of in effect, fencing things, that they've stolen them, and, and you don't know who they are, and they're trying to fence them off on you?
3: Do criminals bring things to pawn shops? I'm sure they do,
2: but, but
3: chances are... They are not going to come to a pawn shop. It happens once in a while, but it's rare, and I'll tell you why it's so rare. Again, we're highly regulated. For instance, in my California shop, everyone who comes in for a pawn loan, by law, is thumbprinted. Why would you want to bring stolen goods to a place that is that takes your thumbprint as opposed to selling it um, to you know out of your truck? Uh, in the corner. <laughs> yes. Why do you want to? Why would you want to go to a place that does police reporting and things of that nature?
2: As long as I know about that, I suppose that doesn't make a lot of sense.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and we like it. It's a deterrent as well. We want to avoid taking in stolen property. It's the last thing we want to do. And luckily, we've run in, in the course of seventy five years into very, very few issues of that nature.
2: Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Jordan Tabak Bank. Uh, He is the CEO of two high-end pawn shops, one in New York, uh, one in Beverly Hills. And we'll be back after this.
4: We're always talking business
1: You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. Uh, My guest this hour is Jordan Tabak Bank. He's the CEO of two high-end pawn shops, one in New York on 47th Street, the other in the Beverly Hills. Welcome back to the show, Jordan. Thank you. And tell people again the website where they can find out more about both of your shops? Sure. Beverly Loan Company in Beverly
3: Hills is www.beverlyloan.com. And New York Loan is www.newyorkloan.com. And again, I encourage all of your listeners to to visit both of
2: these websites. Can they get an appraisal on the phone uh, or on the Internet before they actually bring it in to get a sense of what they might get?
3: You know, we try and avoid talking numbers over the phone because it, it, it can bite you both ways. Uh, we've done it in the past where people actually have something much better than they believe they have, or sometimes people don't exactly know what they have, and, it, uh, and they, they don't describe it appropriately. That said, we do our best to give them an idea as to
2: a range of where the loan might lie. When you see these other uh, uh, TV shows, you know, um, where they're you know pawn shops evaluating all these goods, do you think that the pawn shop owner are are undervaluing things and and getting away with murder sometimes? Not really. Uh, the way The way we work at our shop is we
3: ask people, "What are you looking to walk away with?" And the reason we ask that question is we want people to only borrow that which that which they need, because obviously they're paying interest against it. So if you only need ten grand and we could loan twenty grand, I encourage you to only borrow that ten grand. And that is why we have such a high redemption rate. So on these shows, um, who knows what the client was actually looking for? As they're highly edited. <laughs>
2: Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, they make it look as though they're experts on everything, I suppose. And...
3: Yeah, and, and typically on these shows, it's more purchasing than actual lending. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two products. We purchase and we loan against tangible personal property. And what we really specialize in is the loans. And on these shows, like Pawn Stars, they do specialize in loans there, of course, but you see a lot more people actually selling their goods than receiving pawn loans against them.
2: Well, apparently, industry-wide, it's about 85% redemption rate, so most people are taking the material back.
3: If they didn't want it back, they would have sold it outright to begin with.
2: Yes, although you're saying you're offering a better price uh, than uh, you know, buying it outright at a jewelry stop or something.
3: Yeah, we'll pay a bit more if someone wants to sell it as opposed to get a loan against it. Uh, the reason we could pay a bit more on a, a purchasing it outright than lending against it is because a loan is written up for four months and marketing conditions could change over four months. So we have to uh, be uh, slightly more conservative. For instance, the price of gold could plummet, and we don't want to take a loss against the goods.
2: So that happened this year when gold came down pretty sharply. Uh, How did that affect the pricing of what you were willing to offer on jewelry, which is not a pure uh, play on gold. It's got artistic elements. Did that lower the prices you're willing to to pay for gold?
3: Without question, it lowers the prices. But one thing that both... Beverly Loan Company and New York Loan Company has is certified gemologists who know the value of jewelry. So we look at things beyond the price of gold. Uh we don't simply throw it on the scale and say, here's what we're gonna lend you. We look to see if it's a signed good. Cartier, Graf, Tiffany and Company, Van Cleef and Arpell, Harry Winston. Or we look to see what kind of stones are in there. Are there diamonds? Are there colored stones of value? And we even look to see, hey, is it aesthetically pleasing? Is it a beautiful
2: piece that we would be able to resell?
3: And we take all of that into account when assessing jewelry.
2: And the, the auction value of it as well, you're saying. So let's get into some of the classes of goods. Let's talk about some artwork specifically. What, what are some of the... Uh, more unusual and interesting artworks that you've, uh, loaned against. Sure.
3: We loan against artwork, uh, from artists who have, uh, secondary markets. Think Picasso, think Andy Warhol, Lichtenstein, Rauschenberg, Ruchet, uh, Moreau, Chagall, and all of these household named artists we've made loans against. And, you know, I'm an art lover, so this is kind of, uh, the area that's my baby, and um, I enjoy making art loans, I enjoy seeing beautiful art, and a, one great part about this business, as I said, I'm a trained lawyer, but the fun part about being a pawn shop owner is you never know what's going to walk through the door, and when someone brings in a David Hockney, you're like, this is fantastic, this is great, and I'm excited to help them in their time of need.
2: Oh, so, it, does modern art do better than um, older artwork?
3: Yeah, you know, we specialize in modern and contemporary art. Um, uh, reason being, old masters and 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 and
2: like impressionists they, or things like that.
3: Yeah, they require a lot more um, specialized expertise. Have we loaned against things like that? Sure. Will we? Sure. But but. But the quick sort of bread-and-butter loans are the contemporary art, which is a lot m- more simple to authenticate and, and value.
2: And if it's an artist who's, who's famous but you haven't heard about him before, you, you'll look them up. I mean, it's, it's not the, the, the top level but a mid-tier kind of person. You would still lend against that. I
3: would look them up. If they have a secondary market and are sold regularly at auction, Think Sotheby's, Christie's, Bonhams, Heritage, then um, uh, then I will entertain a loan against it. Uh, that is a very different thing from jewelry. Jewelry, if it's made of gold, if it
2: has diamonds, no matter
3: what, we will make a loan against it.
2: Do you look up uh, things on eBay? Would you sell things on eBay, or is it only the auction houses that you look at?
3: You know eBay can be uh, a resource. It's not necessarily our go-to resource, but uh, sure, it's a resource. You You always have to remember to look at completed listings, what things actually sold for, not what people are necessarily asking for items. You can ask anything you want. doesn't mean it's going to sell for
2: that amount. So some people are disappointed. They come in thinking it's worth a lot more than that you're willing to lend against it.
3: Yeah, but, but, um the, the complete opposite has happened as well. Where people are like, we have what I will call the antiques roadshow moment at my office. Yep. Where someone brings in something and they're like, holy smokes, you're telling me it's worth that much? And yeah, of course. And, and we're happy to share that information. Uh, trust me, they become a customer for life.
2: So you'd much rather have the people who are underestimating it than overestimating it.
3: Yeah, <laughs> wish they all worked out that way.
2: Uh, indeed, indeed. Um, around the country, uh, there there is other kinds of non bank lending going on, uh, kind of uh, finance companies and advanced loan companies. What would advice you would give to people who don't have physical uh, things, but uh, like paydays and other ways that people can get kind of non traditional loans? What what, is, what would be some of your cautions in that area?
3: Do your homework, I'd say read up on it. you know, try and exhaust your resources with a, maybe there is a local community bank who's able to lend to you. And then look through the house. You might have some tangible personal property you didn't realize you had. Uh, for instance, not everyone obviously has fine wine collections, but that's not necessarily something you'd think you can leverage into a loan. We make loans on fine wine collections. Uh, we make loans on one-of-a-kind sports and entertainment Memorabilia. You might just have something hidden away in the closet that
2: you don't even realize you had. (laughs) Uh Uh, um, So, yeah. In many cases, it's probably hidden away somewhere. I I, I was doing a radio show once where people found uh, stock certificates from the the 1930s from this company called Coca-Cola. Oh, not bad. Not bad. It worked out pretty well. They had no idea how much it was worth. It was worth like seven million dollars or something. So. uh, You never know what some of these things are worth, indeed. (laughs) Must be nice. (laughs) Yeah. So, But, I mean, as as far as some of these other, like, payday loans, if if they can't find physical property, is it something that's an appropriate alternative for people who can't get traditional bank loans?
3: Yeah. If you can't get a traditional loan and you can't get a pawn loan and you are resorting to payday lending... I'm not one to judge. I'm not an expert on payday lending. We are not in the business of payday lending. I would just tell your listeners to do what I would do in their position, which is do my homework and research it. Uh, it in, today, in this day and age, with the Internet at our disposal, we can get a lot of information, uh, and we can sift through that information and make educated choices on... on. Uh, the uh, different financial products available.
2: In about a minute or so, we have, to have left, George. Just kind of give people an overall reason why they should uh, take their money, their uh, objects, to a pawn shop and get a loan that way, uh, overcoming the traditional phobia they might have about that.
3: Yeah, when you come to Beverly Loan Company or New York Loan Company, you, you're put at ease. You're coming into an office building environment. Uh, it's private, it's discreet, it's confidential, and it's safe. And you receive a short-term... Uh, loan, non-recourse loan. We are not coming after you personally. We are not checking your credit. We are not dinging your credit. We are simply providing a short-term loan against your jewelry, against your watches, against your diamonds, your fine art, your entertainment, sports memorabilia. And uh, Where else are you going to find a short-term lending product like this? Uh, as I said, It's very difficult to deal with banks in this day and age.
2: Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Jordan Tabak Bank. He's the CEO of two high-end pawn shops, one in New York, New York Loan Company, the other uh, the Beverly Loan Company based in Beverly Hills, California. Thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now.